do you think is the future of healthcare? What we're going to do different is trying to figure out how to use AI to our advantage. How do you kind of keep up to date with all this tech? Reading is to the mind as exercise is to the body. You need to allocate 10% of your time doing something other than your role. Hi, I'm Nayan Patel, and you're listening to the Tech Legacies Podcast. Welcome to the show. Today we have Nayan Patel. Welcome, Nayan. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I'm very awesome. excited for today. Nayan is a former CIO and tech executive across numerous healthcare organizations. So we're going to dive deep into some of those things today. Yes. So, Nayan, I always like to kick off and ask folks, like, what was the best career advice that you got um, throughout your journey? Yeah, I think, you know, the first thing is get mentors. Mm. I think people will say, you know, you don't know what that really entails. But um, I've, I've put down three things related to mentors. One, get get a couple of them, yeah. maybe two or three, whatever is available, what you have time for. Mm. Um, and then get them to meet, meet, meet with you quarterly, maybe even maybe annually, because mm. they will be somebody who's part of your life down the road. Uh, the second thing is if you need to switch them, switch them, right? Mm. Like, I mean, if it's not mutually beneficial, yeah. then you will, you know, find other people that will be your mentors and ask for advice. Uh, this, and one of the things that they actually mentioned, um, the third thing that I wanted to mention is that the the best advice that one of the mentors actually gave, because by having mentor, he said, mm-hmm. you need to allocate 10% of your time, 5 to 10% of your time doing something other than your role. Mm. And so I, I, you know, I had to understand what that really meant. But he says, every day, you know, you're doing your job, whatever your job entails, but you can actually ask for more. And that's how you grow as an individual. So let it be known that you want more activities, more projects, and do the extra things. And because yeah. there's always something to work on and something to improve. Was it difficult asking those mentors when you did do that? So I think, you know, it, it wasn't as difficult once you have a relationship with them. So in the beginning, maybe you're not asking for projects or saying, hey, do you, you're actually asking if you need help in a certain area, hey, these are things that I love to do. Yeah. So if you need help in this particular area, just let me know. I'll, I'll see how I can help. Right. And so it's, it's asking in a different way. Kind of easing into Yeah, it, right? and then ultimately, if you just help on stuff and you're not officially a part of anything at this point, mm-hmm. but once you establish that, people know you're taking care of these different things, then when the right opportunity comes up for potential promotion, yeah. people know who you are. And so it makes that next step a lot easier. Building those relationships. Yeah. Now you're, you've been in healthcare for decades and I'm always curious, where do you kind of see healthcare going in the next five years even? What do you think is the future of healthcare? Well, we're still gonna be an in-person effort, right? Because at the end of the day, it's physically taking care of somebody. So that part is gonna remain the same. But what we're going to do different is trying to figure out how to use AI to our advantage. And I think the one term that people will use is labor compression. Mm, what's that mean? So labor compression is really about using different tools and technologies like AI to help you know, save time. It's just saving time is really what it comes down to. Mm. So all those tools with ChatGPT and Bing, um, things that are out there today, it's about 
how can you use that technology to reduce the time on certain things, but you still have that human element that comes into yeah. play. Yeah. Are we ever going to see robots performing surgeries? You know, robots um, by themselves will likely not, unless um, there's something simple. Um, maybe it's, you know, performing a, a, a small, small procedure. But robots are used today already, right? Uh, if you've heard of the Da Vinci robot, it's probably the most popular one in the world right now. Tell and this more. requires um, physicians to control, almost like a video game, outside the, the procedure room, outside huh. the operating room, of a large robot. They're using their hands to control, um, essentially, arms that are going into the body, but then they can control it with a lot more precision, right? Mm. So they're just moving a little bit, you more on their hands, potentially, mm. but it's moving very little within the actual environment. And so there are a lot of probes that are already available and this lets you get inside the hospital, uh, inside the um, body to do precision um, healthcare basically. So as an example, there's uh, ablations in the heart. Um, When you have any kind of AFib, you can perform an ablation on a heart, which is kind of like freezing of a heart muscle. And this allows the physician to actually do it more accurately and not kind of guess where they're going because they see an image also on the computer screen of what they're looking at and where they're going. That's definitely something accuracy, high level accuracy (laughs) when operating on us. Uh, So how do you kind of keep up to date with all this tech um, in healthcare or any kind of industry? I think um, I, I use that quote, you know, reading is to the mind as exercise is to the body. Mm. So it's a lot of reading that you really need to pay, do. Um, but it's how do you get in front of information? Yeah. So there's multiple ways. Obviously, there's webinars that you want to join and listen to. Make time. Again, that's part of that 5 to 10% time. Yeah. You have to find time to do these things to stay on top of things. Um, attending a lot of events, uh, educational events. There are many professional organizations in various industries where you can attend. Um, small educational events, and then, you know, you can also utilize social media, right? Uh, LinkedIn is another form, but if you look at what people post, it's usually something where you can learn from. And then going to things as such like this today and and listening to what people have to say. Yes. And listen to those mentors. You'll gain some knowledge. Do you have a trick around making time? Like when you say make time, how do you... What, what's a trick or a hack that you might have around that? I think it's recognizing that there are certain people you want to um, follow up with. So mm-hmm. scheduling appointments, scheduling reminders is a big deal. Um, actually, I block off time on my calendar every day for certain things, right? Even if it's just work time. Like today, we get stuck in meetings all day. We're always in meetings. So block off time for different things and making sure there's reminders in there that you want certain things to achieve. Outlook is one of those things that has a little snooze button. So if you didn't do something, you can just snooze it for up to two (laughs) weeks, right? So make sure you get those things done and and establish what you want to get done. Awesome. Were you always curious about technology? How did you kind of get into technology and this interest? I think, you know, know, it goes back to parental advice kind of thing Mm -hmm. at times. my father used to say that, you know, you're good at math, so you should use your math skills, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's one element of it. I love doing the Rubik's Cube. I actually 
still can do the Rubik's Cube. I taught my really? girls how to do oh, that, wow. right? Like, it still takes me two or three minutes. I'm not, you know, speedy Gonzalez. At least you're solving it. Yeah, I'm I can not. Still, I can still solve it. But I think, um, you know, having the ability to solve problems is what I really love to do. So when um, I was in high school, you know, I inherited, like many people, your, your father's car. I inherited a 1974 Ford Gran Torino. Oh. And it came with one AM um, speaker radio. Okay. Like literally one speaker in the front of the car, right? And it was AM, like, you know, uh -huh. this is not going to quite it's work for cool us, <laughs> right? Yeah, it wasn't quite cool enough for us, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I took the time, got, you know, had a job, small job, and I bought a, a radio, and with, that comes with two speakers. So installed the whole cassette, FM cassette player, you know, found out how to do it, and then wire it to put the speakers in the back of the car cut out the cardboard in the little back part. Like, you don't even think these things were what you had to do back in the day. But yeah, and then, you know, I'm like, hey, that was a fun project. And ever since then, I think I've just liked technology. How'd you even know to do that? There's no Google back then. No, I mean, it, it comes with instructions. Everything, okay. you know, you got to read those instructions. <laughs> okay. um, yeah. But you talk to people, right? When people mm -hmm. said, hey, you can do it yourself. Yeah. Like, yeah. and I didn't want to pay a car dealer, you know, audio car, audio shop to, to do that. And like, you know, I should be able to figure this out. Yeah. It's just you, most of it, today's world is, you have to take the time and effort to learn it, or if you want to. It's usually not hard, because once it's out of the, once it's a package solution, yeah. it's supposed to be for a technician to also do. Right. And maybe I wanted to be a technician. Yeah. What was your first job? My first job, that's an interesting question. So I did a, a number of first jobs. My first one was actually um, in middle school. Uh -huh. I actually used to take care of cleaning the dishes so I would get free lunch every day. Uh -huh. I actually count that as my first job. And then I mm -hmm. did selling soft drinks at football games yeah. at, uh, at the University of Tennessee. Yeah. I uh, did that in the high school. And these were before you can actually get on a, a, you know, a W-2 or whatever. I mean, a right. W-4. And then I did Burger King. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I was at Burger King um, for my first official you know, taxable income. So when you look back at those jobs, do you think they taught you something that helps you be who you are now? Oh, absolutely. Part of it is just wanting more, trying to figure out what you like, what you don't like. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, there, there is an element along life that we also have to figure out. What you want to do is not easy to figure out. Um, and you will I'm navigate. You said that. Yeah. Yes. You'll navigate through life with a lot of changes. I think mm -hmm. you yourself have gone through a yeah. career change. We talked yeah. about that. Yeah. So, and, and I've made some pivots along the way as well. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about that because we both have, um, you know, girls and, uh, and they're, well, at least mine is kind of trying to figure out her career, right? She's a junior trying to figure out what she wants to do. I certainly don't anticipate that she will decide and then stick with that. Yeah. Because you can't expect a 17-year-old to kind of figure out everything and figure out the career path. Yeah, and, and I think one difference thing, and, and my wife is a pharmacist, so we talk about the differences in different types of careers. And one thing I've realized is clinicians have a different path. Maybe lawyers have a certain path. You know, there's certain things that kind of keep them in their area. But when you're in the corporate world, yeah. it's very different. So you could have any kind of business, engineering, computer science degree, but then you might move into a management function. You could switch industries. You, you know, it's just, it can be all over the place, depending on where life takes you. Yeah. 
And, you know, there are circumstances that happen in everyone's life that changes direction. Did you have a low point in your career? And, and what was that and how did you navigate out of that? Yeah, so I think um, the lowest point was probably when I had to leave the semiconductor industry. And that was during what I call the, the dot boom and the dot bust. Yeah. Right? The, you know, early 2000s, there were a lot of, you know, life changes for a lot of different people. And I was fortunate enough to focus on a few things. So, you know, I would say, one, focus on what you like, mm -hmm. you know. And two, take that to what can that do from a professional opinion or uh, career. So for me, number one was I loved organizing events. And I was by nature through high school, through college, I'd be the guy who made the football team, the, the, the intramural stuff, I would host the parties, whatever. So I realized that I, by nature, I think I'm a good project manager. Mm. And so eventually I took that and got a PMP certification. And that allowed me to pivot, actually, into telecom and semiconductors into healthcare. And so that's what allowed me to change um, because I had a broader background. But I. I knew what I liked to do. Was that a difficult decision to come to, or what led up to that decision to get into healthcare? Getting into healthcare was a lot of luck and timing. Yeah. I think there was, you know, it's the moon's aligned with the stars <laughs> <laughs> in those days. Um, I wasn't necessarily even looking into it. You know, someone, I was approached. And so because of how I was, um, portrayed or my background mm. with a technology and a business background and then also had a project management um, background so they needed somebody that could come in and steer mm. one direction of an organization and so yeah I think it, it difficult is subjective mm. everybody has their own insecurities right mm. you know you worry about where you want to go and what you're going to do but I think you just have to focus on what you'd like to do once you once you realize what you like to do and you're happy with it, you're going to be a lot more effective. You mentioned that intersection between business and technology just now. Like, I do find that I think sometimes when people come from technology, it's difficult like trying to sell their solutions or their products to the business side. But I remember our conversation, you, you love that, you thrive on that. Tell us more about that communication part between tech and business. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, early in my career, I was fortunate enough to realize that I wasn't going to be an engineer the whole time. Um, we talked about it that, you know, I have an electrical engineering background, but right away, I think after a first year of me working, I started my MBA part time because I wanted to be more on the business side. I, I enjoy talking to people and you, again, finding out what core is in you. But translating technology to business is, there is a little bit of an art to that. Yeah. Um, but it's really just thinking about it as business is business. And what does it really do? It's about money. I wanna pause real quick here and give a special shout out to one of our sponsors, CG Infinity. I've worked with them for several years now and I can truly say that they have one of the best workplace cultures that I've ever experienced and they specialize in a variety of industries, especially energy, utilities, and financial services. And they serve them through their Salesforce, cloud, as well as customer experience services. So thank you, CG Infinity, and I hope you'll support them as they have supported us here at the podcast. Right, so the first thing is, 
if you're looking at you know trying to put a product or a technology or a solution and talking to whoever you're talking to even within your uh, engineering discipline or technology discipline recognize what the business benefits are the operational financial benefits mm. right so the second thing is keep it simple mm. so if it's an email communication and this is one thing i've you know um, tried to do is think of email like texting um, because if it's short and sweet people are more likely to read it email and we get a gazillion emails and we yeah. get a gazillion text every day and now with you know Teams chatting and WebEx chatting or Zoom chat. There's so many different avenues you're getting communicated to. Yeah. So it has to be to the point. The third thing is, you know, be brief and list it in bullets if you need mm. to, right? So I've recognized that when I send emails, I try to number things and just send it that way. Even though whatever I'm trying to say, I put it in a list. Because yeah. when people reply, they can say regarding number one, two, three, yes. four, whatever it is. And that creates more of an interaction. I, yeah, I get that. Even in like content creation, like whenever we do posts around with lists, mm -hmm. right, it's just more effective. People will know that there's like a process and maybe it's the engineer in us. Yeah. <laughs> there's like a step-by-step -step process, right? Yeah. yeah. So then as you kind of came along throughout your career um, and you had mentors, um, you mentioned... I think when we talked about building those relationships, any kind of tips to kind of deepen relationships with people, or whether it's mentors or your colleagues or anyone? Yeah, and, and I think, you know, networking is a big part of it, right? So how do you get these mentors? Um, and so, you know, one person had mentioned, and you've, there's a book probably called, I think, Never Eat Lunch Alone. Mm -hmm. Today's world is a lot harder. We live in a remote society where a lot of people are remote. There is a hybrid as well, so you have options. But what you can do is still take that time. So um, make in-person efforts. So if that means a 7 a.m. breakfast, yeah. you know, get it outside the workday. That's that 5% of time. Find extra time, you know, or if it's, you know, later in the day. You got to balance it, you know, with your family life. Um, and so some, not everyone can do that. So you try to work it as best as you can, whether it's coffee or breakfast, or yeah. even an ice cream run. So the second thing kind of related to that is, you know, when you're going to meet with somebody, mm. have some objectives. Don't go in there with nothing to talk about. Um, it's, it's easy to just say you're going to go for advice, but come in with one or two topics saying you want to just talk about a few things. And if anything, I just want to get to know you better. That's, right. that's the main thing. We know about our kids a little bit. Re remember that person's kids. Write it down. I have my own little CRM in every contact I take notes on. Oh. Um, and so I have a little method, a cheat sheet of how I do that. Um, but Tell then, us more about that. Well, with every notes, um, you know, in every contact field, whether it's Google, Outlook, whatever, there's a note field. And so, you know, I try to write down if they went to XYZ University or who they work for. I just kind of put that in there. Yes, you can look it up on LinkedIn, but if you're talking to somebody, it's your own notes that you understand. And, you know, if they have kids, that's important. Yeah. Um, it's that do, little do, bit of personalization. It is. Per, right? You have to personalize it. And, and you're not going to memorize it, but I would write D for daughter, S for son, approximate age, name, if I get it. So next time I talk to them, I have something I can bring up. Look at it before you talk to them. And it just shows intent that you care. Mm. 
right? So that builds that rapport. Right. Um, when you meet with them, you can talk about anything, right? Make sure you have some icebreakers. Mm -hmm. Everybody likes to talk about sports or football, or if you don't, then why don't you, or do you have something that you care about? Bring that personal connection into it, whatever it might be. I started road biking, you know, I try to bring that up every now and then. Um, and so, yeah, there's a number of things you can do. And the third thing is um, go to make sure the people you're networking with are people outside and above levels from you. Senior management, go to the leaders, just tell them you want to get to know them because once they know you, especially within your own environment. With no agenda. With no agenda. Yes. Just the goal is to build a relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so when the time comes, that's when you, people will say, okay, I know who this person is. I, I know their character. Yeah. Even if it just means showing up on lunch on time. Yeah. Right? You don't stand Someone them up. Someone to be counted on. Exactly. Little yeah. things go a long way. Yeah. So throughout your kind of tech career, what do you think is the biggest tech problem or business problem that you help to solve? You know, I think uh, when I joined one organization, it was about IT spend. Mm -hmm. um, the IT spend was not necessarily out of control, but it was not um, organized where people could understand it. And so it can't, there were some areas that were probably overspent. Yeah. So, you know, solving that was a big agenda. And it took several months to kind of get it in line, maybe even a year. Um, but the first thing was just assess, right? And then when you find these things, Make it transparent. Here's what I was able to find. You know, you, you find many roles that says, here's what you should do. The first 90 days you should do X, Y, Z. One of those things is just kind of understand your environment. Mm -hmm. And so I think when I looked at that IT spend, it was okay, categorize it into what I think it is and then update processes around it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you mean, may need to gut existing ways of doing things or sometimes you just update it and then it needs to be iterated. Every year, look at it. Are you still doing this process for this the right way? And, you know, the third thing then I would say is just optimize it, right? Yeah. Make it into what it needs to be. Make it also something that everyone can digest in an easy way. So if it's a new process, make it easy, right? If it's not something that people can use pretty easily, mm. it'll kind of fade away. So. How'd you deal with, like, resistant users or change management problems? That's a good one. Yeah, there was a lot of different um, opportunities, I'll call it, in which we um, implement change and not everyone's going to jump on the bandwagon. And I think the, the main thing you have to do is, again, it's telling a story, explain to them the why before they implement, and then Sometimes explain to them the why seven more times, you know, <laughs> until, <laughs> you know, until they, in. until it seeps in that this yeah. is the path we're going on. Yeah. Um, you also need senior management support. Like it's not just you who wants this. So work with the senior leaders to say, I need you to also champion what we're trying to do here. Mm -hmm. And, and then give them the explanation that somebody can digest So show them that why it may be a storytelling. Um, but showing what the outcome might be at the end of it. And there's numbers of examples that we can use. Mm -hmm. But again, it goes back to that business. Yeah. We don't want, we're trying to do this because we're changing our business model to be better. And it may take us three months, six months to get there, but this is how we're going to get there. Absolutely. And obviously you had to have a team to help you. Yes. Any lessons you learn from building your teams? 
that you'd like to share with our audience? Yeah, you know, empowering them, right? So mm -hmm. teams are hard to find and grow, um, but also finding the people who are in the right place at the right time. Um, I think as Jim Collins wrote a book uh, back in the day, um, and it's about, it's about finding the right people to get on the bus at the right time in the right seat. If you're not in the right seat, there'll be a fork in the road every now and then and they can get off the bus, right? So you've got to make sure that they're on the right bus. Uh, I think the book is good to great. I just remembered the book. Um, and it talks about all these organizations, how they, they were good, but then they became great and what they had to do to get there. And so it takes a while to find the right team, but you have to nurture them, mentor them, and help them grow. That's the biggest thing. The second thing I would say is help them grow um, because if they don't, they're going to leave on their own, yeah. right? That, and they, you want them to give them opportunities. Now, um, especially in our society right now of quiet quitting and yes, all that. There's right? a lot of that happening. I remember one um, mentor told me one time, my job, or actually not a mentor, he was uh, a CIO of our organization. He said, my job, when he came in, he said, my job is to make your resume look better. Wow, and I now, like that. And now, that was interesting because, you know, it's like, okay, so you're saying you want people to potentially, no, he just wants you to grow within the organization so you feel as a valued member and you're contributing to the, the organization. Because mm -hmm. if you don't feel like you're contributing, then you will likely want to, to go somewhere. So that third piece is how do you keep people? Absolutely. Yeah. Gosh. So this show is called Tech Legacies. What do you want your legacy to be, Nayan? You know, um, I think, you know, someone who made an impact in, in the world, maybe a positive impact, obviously. Um, and I think the, if I could coin a phrase, I would say is it's about life work balance, not work life. So life comes first, right? The question is, how do you manage what you're doing at work to implement your life? Uh, I think I heard yesterday, somebody even said that we live in an integrated work um, environment today because we do. We are constantly yeah. dealing with work in the evenings. Yeah. So you're probably dealing with personal stuff during the day. And so work is always happening. And so how do you balance that? Um, and, and try to be, my second thing else is be pragmatic, mm. right? I mean, I, I don't think you can be um, shooting for the moon every time. So there's certain times be realistic of what you can do and try to deliver results that are going to be pragmatic. And then I'd say in the third way is just do it in a nice way. Yeah. You know, be, be positive and nice about how you deliver whatever you're trying to do. Right. At the same time, you got to be stern as needed when you need to be. You also give back to the community. Um, I, I always like to kind of sh have our executives share any kind of organizations that our community and our audience can kind of look into. Name some of those organizations. Yeah, so giving back is about giving time, right? So you want to be able to give back time. And there are a number of, you know, charitable events. Um, but one other way is be involved in professional organizations. So in my world of healthcare IT, there's an organization called HIMSS, which is Healthcare Information Management Systems Society. It's a long name there, but it's healthcare IT. Um, and it, you know, brings providers and vendors together of sharing ideas about technology and how it can improve healthcare. Mm -hmm. And so I am a past president of the Dallas chapter and currently still run and support their finances. Nice. So that takes a number of hours a month sometimes, but you give back and then yeah. 
that's when you learn too. You learn by volunteering in these different things. Uh, the second one uh, is CHIME. I teach at CHIME, which is College of Healthcare Information Management Executives. I've been blessed to be a part of that, and so I, I do teach there periodically. And yeah, and so these are you know different places. And there's every the third thing I'll say is every industry has professional organizations, and some you can go outside your area too. Mm -hmm. Like there's finance organizations in healthcare. Yeah. Be involved, learn through, and you can get certifications in all these. So tying it back to you know education, and you ask that question about how do you stay on top of things is, mm -hmm. look at seeing what certifications are meaningful. Certifications are, in my opinion, probably more valuable than degrees sometimes because mm -hmm. you have to maintain them. Yeah. And, and they're applicable. And they're applicable, right? Yeah. 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 So Nyan, before we wrap up. I have a new tradition that I'm introducing. So okay. I'm starting it with you. All right. Because I recently found this game called um, How Deep Will You Go? Okay. And there are three levels of questions. Uh, there's the icebreaker ones, the confession ones, and going deep ones. Okay. And uh, I picked out one for each of the three, but it's up to you whether you want to do more general level one Icebreaker, a level two, a confession, or level three, really deep. Oh, I'm open to anything. So. So you pick one. One, two, or three. We'll go with. Uh, what well, says so one is icebreaker. Uh -huh. Two is. Uh, confession. Confession. And then three is super deep. Super deep. Okay. Well, let's go with super deep. Just okay. try to have some fun with it. Okay. Here's one. What's a chance you wish you took? What's a chance that I wish I took? You know, I would probably say a chance that I wish I took was related to working more with pediatrics. Um, and I think, you know, I, and, and those who know me know me that I, I love infants. Mm -hmm. I will be the one who gets involved with taking care of little kids. I, I did that at my church for a number of years. And I just love kids. So particularly infants, like, you know, I, I can jokingly, I would say I'm the baby whisperer. Like I could make somebody, cr uh, you know, any baby stop, stop crying. crying. Yeah, I could do that. Maybe it's because they saw a brown baby face like mine and they, they could relate. Um, but, you know, I think if I could be involved in that, that would have been something that I would have had even more fulfillment. Mm. Well, there you go. Like you say, it's never too late. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's never too late. Well, thank you, Nayan. Thank you so much for all your contributions and advice and sharing with our audience here at yes. Tech Legacies. Thank you. Really appreciate, appreciate you having me. I appreciate that a lot. Absolutely. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Make sure you like and subscribe and ring that bell on our YouTube channel, Tech Legacies. And if you're listening to this on the various podcast platforms like Apple and Spotify, be sure to leave a review and subscribe to the channel as well. Thank you. We'll see you next time. At Tech Legacies, we're all about helping technology professionals grow and succeed in their careers by sharing the advice of top technology executives. If you're looking to take your career to the next level and become a technology executive yourself, we have an exciting program to tell you about. It's called the Tech CXO Excellence Program by Tech CXO Launchpad. 
and they are our partners. They're offering an immersive, multimodal program developed and taught by current and former CIOs and CTOs who are passionate about building the next generation of C-suite technology executives. And you'll experience a full immersion into the C-suite world and also get to collaborate, network, and experience capstone-style projects with other professionals. And this is all while benefiting from face-to-face -face interactions in person with industry guest speakers. It is exclusively for a new level of C-suite executives and C-level direct reports and second directs who are earmarked for succession planning and career growth. To join their waitlist, register your interests at www.techcxolaunchpad.com. That's techcxolaunchpad.com. This program has everything you need to take your career to the next level.